Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Emergency. Emergency. Incoming enemy fighters. Prepare for podcast. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going so good. Um, Patrick, I've got to tell you that I mm. have made a fatal error, I fear, <gasps> in um, my trying to get rid of the dumb frog that lives on my island. Okay, Huck, right? Yep, yeah. Okay. Um, so, okay, so you know how you, were, you encouraged me to give him trash? Yes, correct. Okay. Well, sorry. I should back up. Explain for people who have thus far been blissfully unaware of the curse of Huck. What happened was I b- built the campground on my island. He was the first. <laughs> go, go all the way back. We're talking about Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Sorry. Yeah. Talking about Animal Crossing. Built a, the campground on my island. He was the first villager that came. Um, I didn't know what I was doing, so I accidentally like. Bef- like a freight train that was out of control, um, I invited him to stay on my island, and there's no way to back out of it. So, but I was, but I was like, I don't want him on my island. I don't like this frog. I don't want him here. So I have ignored him from day one, from the moment that he arrived on my island. I haven't talked to him, and this I fear was my critical error because I tried to take advantage, or I tried to do what you said and gave him trash. But because uh-huh. it was the first time I ever talked to him, I had the like first interaction dialogue with him where he was oh, like, no. yeah, he was like, hey, uh, I d- like just moved here uh, after you invited me. I'm so grateful. And so I think all this time when I was ignoring him and mm. uh, it, the game wasn't counting it because I had not triggered right. like the initial interaction. Right. See, your problem was you were trying to have no relationship with the frog, but you should have been trying to have a bad relationship with the frog. Yes, these are wasted huck hours. Just hours and hours that this stupid frog has been on my island. Now I know better, and I think now I can give him untold amounts of trash. Well, since the last time we spoke, I have a new hamster on my island whose name is Apple. He's fat and adorable. And a deer on my island whose name is Fauna, who is also adorable. She waters the flowers. (laughs) I love all my villagers so much. But Mark, that's not what we're talking about today. Um, We're talking about Star Fox, and we will get to that in a second. Because first, of course, we need to remind you that if you want to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, you can... Someday. Uh, right now, we are putting the project on hold. It is on hiatus. The uh, nearly flawless borrowing program has hit a flaw, and the flaw is global pandemic. I'm sorry. Um, so someday, we will return to mailing my copy of that out. All you got to do to get on that list to borrow it is send us an email to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And include a mailing address where we can send my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. You can play it for as long as you want, send it back, and uh, it costs you nothing. You know, I feel like right now it's important to have things to look forward to and to hope for. And the return of the Sonic Forces borrowing program is for sure somewhere on the list of things to look forward to. 
Yeah, it, it'll be like a you know like the sesquicentennial celebration <laughs> where you you roll out like giant old warships and people like go out on the pier and they salute and they forget all about <laughs> Vietnam. Uh, do you know what? So we're we've had a bunch of fun uh, this month talking about retro SNES games, and we had a bunch of fun last March talking about retro games. Um, and so we love doing these themed month things, but mm-hmm. what we love even more are listener suggestions. So wouldn't the two coming together be just like perfect kismet if listeners would send us suggestions for themed months we could do? Yes. Now, keep in mind, the the we could do is a crucial part of this. <laughs> um, because if if someone's like, uh, they should do a, a Final Fantasy month. Hey, that's not going to happen because we don't have time to play a Final Fantasy game every week. Um, much fun as that would be. Uh, something that, uh, and it doesn't have to be like just a series of games. Uh, if anyone has any kind of ideas for uh, shows or rankings or any sort of uh, thing like that we could do. Uh, we're not out of ideas, but uh, we're out of ideas. <laughs> Patrick, I mean, you bring up a great point, but I, our listeners are painfully aware of our limitations. And so I trust <laughs> that they will be able to find topics that are appropriate for us. And our abilities. Sure. Uh, so if you have any ideas, you can email them to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Or you can tweet at us at Nincart Society. We will see it there. All right, Mark, are you ready for our uh, final episode in the uh, SNES Classics Retro Month? Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this. Let's do it. We're talking Star Fox, a.k.a. Star Wing in the UK. Not just the UK, all of Europe. All of Europe, was, was it called Star, I, Star Wing? I would guess all, the all of Europe, but that is only a guess. <laughs> um, so, uh, as always, we need to lay out the ground rules. Thank you, Martin, for uh, sending in the, the, uh, an email with this request. Uh, quote, one thing I would love for you to discuss is how well these games would suit someone who has no nostalgia for them and has become used to games with 21st century quality of life improvements. I know that will be tough as your playthroughs will be bundled with tons of emotions, but I t- trust you two to try and take a step back and give an objective opinion uh so may perhaps we start uh just there with the question of do you have uh, a nostalgic view of the original star fox for the super nes yeah i do not for the original star fox i've never played it like a course through to completion um before mm-hmm. we were getting ready to record this episode i am much more familiar i have much more fond feelings for uh, Star Fox 64. Um, but even yeah. but even that is not a series. The, even that is not a game that like I played a ton as a kid. I remember my cousin having it and like playing it a bunch when he would come over or like uh, seeing him play it a bunch. But like hands on with Star Fox, I've always loved the idea of Star Fox, but I have yeah. never been super into the series itself. Yeah, so I I'm a little bit in that same boat in that I didn't have a um like a a, a real time exposure to the original Star Fox as it came out. Um, but Star Fox sixty four was not only one that I was more familiar with. 
I played that game backwards and forwards and inside out and got like all the medals in uh, all of the all of the worlds there. I knew all of the clear conditions for each world to like get to the better worlds. I knew all the shortcuts. Um, I had unlocked everything in the multiplayer mode, which you have to play an absurd amount of that game to unlock all of it. Um, and I loved it, loved it, loved it. Like it is, uh, I, I think that I, like for me, that was the second uh, Nintendo 64 game that like I really poured time into, right? Like first was Mario 64 and I loved that game. Um, and whenever Star Fox came out, that like, that was it. That was like my, um, if Mario was the, the, first foray into like 3d gaming and like a 64-bit nintendo stuff um that star fox 64 was like you know it was what like solidified my impression of nintendo in that generation um so i love 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 that game i had a pretty like negative feeling about the original star fox um before going into this i mean anybody who's listening to our episodes leading up to this Star Fox episode, knew that I was, like, kind of dreading it a little bit. Um, And that's because, like, previously when I had played it most recently or tried to play it, it had been on, like, a huge, like, a big TV. And this game does not benefit from, like, uh, being blown up to a large scale. Yeah. it, uh, Yeah, it, it suffers a lot from... Um, just modern displays for sure. Um, and even like even on its own terms, uh, like the game limits the screen real estate so it can actually uh, process the polygons that it's, it's putting on the screen. Like there are black bars on the top and bottom of this uh, of the screen, and part of that is for processing efficiency. So so your uh, stupid little SNES cart can run those polygons, run like two dozen polygons at a time. Um, and still like the, the frame rate absolutely chugs. Uh, and whenever something cool happens, it, it literally drops down to like four <laughs> or five frames a second. Um, and that's all. This is uh, uh, something that I, I've been thinking about a lot. And I know it is. It's either going to be like pedantic or anti-critical or something. But I think this game, I think the original Star Fox um, requires buy-in from the player. You have to decide that it's going to be fun and worth your time. And when you do make that decision, it's sort of a magic trick in that it is fun. Um, and like the idea of uh, approaching the, the different tracks of it or of like trying to do better on a level uh, is it is satisfying but you have to give yourself permission to be like i'm looking past the things that are clunky uh i'm i am save scumming like a crazy man um but i i'm trying to achieve i'm trying to have fun with it and it actually delivers that fun i completely agree with you um and i yeah i've been thinking about this a lot too and um I, I, I don't want to get into it too much right now because before, yeah. uh, but I, I think we should 100% address what you just said. Before we get too far into the weeds and too far into our experience with it, we've been starting these off by kind of talking about where this game or the game franchise live in, lives yeah. in Nintendo's history. And I feel like Star Fox is a little bit complicated. Like the history of Star Fox, like the creation of Star Fox is... Yeah. Uh, I, I guess like it has never been all that interesting to me, to me, um, I am more interested in like 
what has happened to Star Fox and like where Star Fox has gone as a series or not gone as a series. Yeah. Um, well, so, you know, uh, obviously there, there are a couple things that are notable about Star Fox, um, just in terms of like development and technology. Um, Star Fox came about and it's crazy. They flashed the date up every time you start the game and it says 1993. And every time I'm like, what? <laughs> it's so early. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it's it's running on, uh, you know, a special chip that is in the cartridge itself, the Super FX chip, um, which uh, is, is an insane thing that doesn't happen anymore that like uh, that cartridges are little pieces of hardware that are you know, changing what the physical machine is capable of doing. Um, and there was a ton of hype surrounding this game uh, when it came out. And uh, Nintendo, like, promoted it with a bunch of different, like, kiosks um, in, like, Best Buys and, you know, like, Walmarts and Targets and stuff, um, where, like, you were sitting in, like, a virtual cockpit that would, like, vibrate when you got hit and all this stuff. Like, they they took this, uh, and, you know, that they would be like competitions where it would be like a clock where you played for a couple minutes and tried to get a high score or whatever um and uh like between that and just like the presentation of these characters um like i can remember that issue of nintendo power the that cover with uh the like four characters on it looking like um puppets um like they 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 spun up the hype machine for this thing yeah, well, I mean, I, so yeah, as somebody who d did not play a lot of the original game and definitely didn't own it at the time, Star Fox looms so large in my yeah. imagination because it was such, at least for me, it captures and continues to this day. One of the reasons why it's like disappointing f it, that there's not like a new, I don't know, good Star Fox game or whatever even though I don't know what that looks like or what like I would want from it is just because I love the idea of Star Fox so much. This like yeah. space adventure with these characters and, you know, like an ace pilot and all that kind of stuff is so evocative of all the stuff that I love and like loved as a kid that Star Fox has always spoken to me, even though like the games themselves haven't. So like, yeah, just like the hype, I totally get it. It is crazy to me that this came out in 1993 because it's all, like weirdly the FX chip is just like this cool evolutionary dead end where they were like, oh no, let's let's really not do this anymore. We can only use this in like four games. <laughs> yeah, <gotta> stop. <laughs> um, so uh, on on the subject of like the kind of hype train leading up to uh, this game's release, we got an email uh, from Turner. Turner, thank you for writing in. Uh, he writes, "Hey guys, I was so excited that Star Fox made your list for Retro Month, mostly because I had a first impression with this game that I've never had with any other video game. Just months before the game launched, I wandered into my local Walmart and happened on a Star Fox competition. It was the first time I'd ever." seen seen the game and suddenly I was standing in line with a bunch of other 10 to 13 year olds waiting for a chance to play. I believe the challenge was flying through wings, uh, rings with the R wing within a certain uh, time limit. No idea how I did because all I could think was this is my the wizard moment. I do remember getting some sort of uh, Nintendo slash Star Fox medallion or some similar prize uh, for playing and I apparently didn't do well enough to advance onto any other stage of the competition. I, of course, immediately ran out and bought Star Fox the day it launched because 
uh, it launched and played it way more than anyone ever should. I say that because it was my it was the first game I played when the uh, SNES online launched for Switch and I couldn't believe how I spent all those countless hours staring at those polygons. What can I say? It was a different time. Turner. That's so cool. Yeah, I I wish like that that's a memory that I wish I had. Like I wish that I had Nah, I just I maybe I wasn't going to like KB Toys at that time in my life or or what, um. But it's it's it is really cool that they like rolled out the red carpet for this thing, uh, and really um, you know, hyped it up. Uh, what after we're done like talking about our experiences with this game, I kind of want to uh spin it out into like what has or spin our discussion out into what Star Fox has become and what like why that doesn't quite fit the bill for us um because i think you and i both have opinions on it and possibly opposite opinions (laughs) so um but well uh, i actually i actually think that playing the game playing this game um has actually made me change my thinking on uh star fox as a franchise as a whole amazing and so um yeah i'm really excited to talk about that after we talk about uh, our experiences yes. with this game. Uh, well, would you like to get into that now? Uh, into our experiences of playing this game uh, now? And, uh, you know, again, just like set the stage, uh, we both come in with a little bit of like, I don't know if I want to play this thing. I've seen how it runs. I played Star Fox 2 when the uh, Super NES Classic came out and have like mm, just a little bit of <laughs> constant bad taste in my mouth. Uh, and it's hard not to, right? Because, like, uh, we played Star Fox Zero, which was, like, you know, of a uh, middling amount of fun, um, but mostly too unwieldy to actually play. Um, but so with all that in mind, uh, Mark, what was your experience of playing this game? I had a lot of fun. I'm curious, Patrick, how did you play it? Did you play it on the TV on your mm-hmm. SNES Classic Edition? Okay. So, so, I, so did, I-, I did, but I... I, I largely played it on the TV in the bedroom, which was quite a bit smaller. Okay, because I played on my Switch, but I played exclusively in handheld mode, which means okay. that like it's taking up like the actual game itself uses maybe a little more than half, maybe you know like somewhere That's between right. a third and a half of the actual screen, and I think that was the perfect fidelity to play it at. Because when I had tried playing the games earlier on the TV with the SNES Classic Edition, I found it unplayable. Like, I mm-hmm. found it just, like, confusing to figure out what was going on. The It was, yeah, I found it very difficult. But in handheld mode, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't, I think I probably would have had an okay time if I was playing it on, like, the, the big TV. Um, but the, the smaller TV, um, definitely allows you to uh you know overlook some of the some of the enemies that you're fighting here are you know like eight polygons that like <laughs> uh you're shooting at and you're like is that uh is that part of the background is that oh i'm shooting at peppy oh shoot yeah. um but like it's i i feel like uh as soon as i kind of got into the rhythm of like what a bad guy looks like, what a bad guy moves like, what my team moves like. Um, like, it just took a little bit to retrain my brain to, like, the sensibilities of the game. Which uh, play style did you use? Like, which control style did you use? 
Default, baby. Oh, nice. Okay, so I changed it like so that way pressing up takes you up, pressing down takes you down. And then uh, like the B button is um, just your regular blaster. The A is the bomb. Mm. And then uh, Y is a break and X is boost. Um, okay, so I, I guess I guess mine was uh, inverted. So uh, down is up and up is down. Um, and then uh, the button on the right, <laughs> which one is that? A is the bomb and Y is the laser. Um, and then break, uh, break is uh, A and boost is X. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know. I can't even remember why I asked that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know either. Um, one one thing that uh, I was um a little bit thrown by, uh, is and had to really like. Uh, there aren't that many buttons on the Super NES controller, so my plight didn't last for that long. But when you get uh pushed into the cockpit for some of the asteroid uh portions, that I was like, no, I wanna I wanna see the spaceship, and then I was like, I don't know what button it is. How do I do this? And eventually, I landed on the select button. It's not that hard, Patrick. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that I was pleasantly surprised about, like one of the reasons I was kind of dreading playing this game is for whatever reason, I was expecting it to be really like, not really long, but kind of just like have to trudge through it and be like, okay, it's worn out. It's welcome, but I'm still going and not making much progress. But this is a like short game, especially if you're playing through the normal mode, it's like what five or six levels in total. Um, yeah, it, it's like a 45 minute play um, from like a, any any of the paths through uh, does does not take very long. Um, and it, I, I love that it is, you know, they it, it shows, um, you know, like you said, five or six different like levels and the last level is two levels. Um, but like, it's nice that each of those uh, each chunk is like five or six minutes like. It's it's a really it, it's an economical game that it, it it provides you with these discrete little experiences and uh like that's something that I really really like about it is how it feels uh, like an arcade experience um and like every time I would make it to the end of a level um I felt like I was getting a little bit more time on my quarter you know um and. You know, I, I didn't get super deep into like the score chasing or anything like that, but the way it presents that information at the end, which is like a, a a percentage and then a score that goes up and then presents that information to you again at the end of the game, um, felt compelling. Um, that like, I don't know, I, I started to like get an itch for like I could do that better or like I want to go back in and like get a higher percentage on this. What is the percentage? Of. No idea. Okay. <laughs> no idea. Because I, I did I did one time uh, in one of the levels in it might have been sector Y in the um, level two playthrough, uh, which is the the one on the left, the top one, um, that I got a hundred percent. And there's no way I killed everything, right? <laughs> Maybe I, right, did. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like I uh, I was not paying attention to the percentages my pers- first playthrough where I did the kind of like the normal um yeah. route which uh yeah it was great i was playing on the handheld um 
And so there was like, uh, I was watching Murder, She Wrote. The, it took me one and a half Murder, She Wrotes to get through Very good. Uh, the first playthrough. Um, Hold on but, a second. Where are you watching Murder, She Wrote? Didn't that come down off of Hulu or Amazon or wherever it was? No, it's, well, it might still not be on Amazon. I'll, uh, so, okay, sidebar, <laughs> sidebar. Not, right, uh, right, okay. Right so, Sling TV is while everybody's mm. at home, they're doing this thing called uh, Happy Hour. So from 5 p.m. to midnight, um, every uh, night you can watch Sling TV. On Sling TV, they have Hallmark uh, Murder and Mysteries channel. So, yeah. uh, so I have you get ten free hours of DVR. Um, but you don't have to like put a credit card down or anything. You can just quickly sign up for a Sling TV account, log in, and you get ten free hours of DVR. So I'm just DVRing um, Murder She Wrote off of like this Hallmark channel. That is smart. Good work, Mark. <laughs> Back in, it took me one and a half murder she wrote um, to get through like the normal playthrough. But that was like, yeah, like you're saying, like it was perfect. I generally am not a super like arcade game, high score chasing type of person. But yeah, like it, it all felt so like doable. Like I, I felt I finished a, a level and I was like, now that I know what to do, I actually think I could improve. Yeah, totally. And I, I feel like you are able to take everything that you learn. And this is such a dumb, uh, this is such an obvious statement. You take everything that you learn from a, a previous level and then you become better at the next one, right? Like, um, it feels very much like the game isn't throwing surprises at you so much as it, so much as it is like spectacle all in the same vein. Well, and one of the things about like playing games over again is that a lot of times games are so long that you're like, wow, I really liked this experience, but just like on a practical level, there's no way I could do that again. Yeah. But again, like you could make it through a level of Star Fox in like six minutes. So it's like, or, and a whole track in maybe an hour. And so, you know, like the idea of going back and doing it again and getting better does not feel overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and like, uh, so one of the the other uh, just like straight up positive things that I I love 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 about this game is how trippy it is, um, and you know part of it is based on the like graphical limitations and the processing limitations um, that you know you're only going to get a handful of polygons to represent something, um, but like the uh, like big chunky sixteen bit backgrounds and the like uh, when when the when you can like see through the R wing, like there, there are just so many things that like they don't have real solutions for, and the what what they do, uh, what the presentation ends up being is like profoundly weird, right? Um, the the characters can't can't speak, um, you know they go ba 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 ba, ba and you know there's dialogue along the bottom of the screen, which is like. You, you can almost never read it because <laughs> you're trying not to crash into something. Um, or like these pillars will, will just appear in space and you're like, what are these supposed to represent? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but it just leads, leads you to imagine like the strangest possible science fiction world. Yeah, I agree completely. And it's one of the things I want to get into when we were talking about like where the franchise is today is after playing this, I really feel like the low fidelity of this game and to a lesser extent, the N64 game are what made those franchises 
like or sorry those games and like Star Fox so memorable because yes. it was such low fidelity um you know like it was able to capture the feeling of those like space fantasy adventures that we all loved but in a way that allows you to like uh provide your own color like you have to fill in the gaps you don't have people's voices you don't have a lot of dialogue there's not a ton of story Mm -hmm. it's just like the design and like the cool characters that you saw on nintendo power and on the box art and like all that kind of stuff like that you brought your own coolness you know to star fox and then the later games they had you know just like as games got more advanced the fidelity got better. There was more dialogue. There was more stories. The, like it all became like really like complex. And like as they pr- started providing all of that to you know like experience to it, I actually think it took away from what mar- made Star Fox fun. Yeah. Well. So sort of sort of in this vein, and kind of to transition into um, what we would like to see from the series or like what the future of the series after the, the original game is, uh, we've got an email from Sean, uh, that reads dear sirs, which thank you for addressing us as we are meant to be addressed. No one else has ever done that. Um, I am writing to defend my beloved star Fox or star wing, as we know it here in the UK. I've heard many disparaging comments about the game in the build up in the build up to this podcast. And I can only imagine the scorn you have poured over it in the podcast so far. For shame. Which, fair. Sean, <laughs> fair. you're right. Uh, he writes, Starwing w- was one of my favorite games growing up, and although it may not have aged as well as some of the 2D games of the era, I still think it's an incredible, unique game. I was around 9 or 10 when I first experienced it. I, I, I was around my... I was around my best friend's house and we sat in awe in front of the warm glow of the CRT TV. The music in the intro was dark, atmospheric, and unsettling. The visuals were completely different to anything I'd ever seen before. Before the first stage, you see a cutscene of the R-Wings being deployed with a siren that sounds scramble and flashes on on the screen. The ships burst out of the hangar and the Corneria theme kicks in. That section was so intense and immersive for me, I felt like I'd been sucked into that world. For, for the rest of the game, I was entranced. My best friend and I would play through it over and over again. I remember we'd sometimes make makeshift cockpit out of dining room table chairs and a duvet to make it even more immersive, uh, which is totally something I did with Star Fox 64. Um, we tried to make uh, uh, paper mache masks of Fox and Falco to wear. It didn't go very well. Uh, he concludes by saying, when I replay the game nowadays, it's the things that strike me are how surreal it is. Uh, the enemy designs, the gibberish language, the music, the sound effects. It's all really weird and unsettling, and I love it. Most people remember the N64 sequel more fondly, but for me, Starwing is the most memorable game in the series. My dream is that one day we'll get a VR version soon. Uh, anyway, love you lots. Bye, Sean. Sean, thank you. Great points all around. I don't know about a VR version. How do you feel about that, Mark? <laughs> I mean, as long as it's not Labo VR, because we know <laughs> how we feel about that one. But Sean, you were so right. Leading up to this, I was ready to like grim, you know, like grimace my way through it mm-hmm. and struggle to come up with positive things to say. But I really, really had fun. I had more fun with this than I had with Yoshi's Island. And to Sean's point, I do think that it's like the surrealness. Like all of that definitely played to the game's ben- like benefit. Yeah, well, like what one hundred percent, and like the uh, just when he says here, my friend would play, my friend and I would play through it over and over again. 
like that this game and maybe it's because of its length or like the accessibility of it or something um that like i do want to just play it over and over again um you know when when i got uh you know when i finished with like my playthrough of super metroid i was like okay super metroid's done now um when i got done with link to the past okay link to the past is done now those games have such like a, a compelling like superstructure to them that when I complete that superstructure, I'm like, okay, done. But the superstructure of uh, Star Fox is moment to moment. Like the individual moments are fun and they're weird and they're cool. Um, so let, let let's talk a little bit about what our experience is with just the franchise uh, going forward from here. Obviously, we both had some experience with the Nintendo 64 game. Um, but where, where else do you check in, um, on the Star Fox series? Uh, I, yes, but I just wanted to say, uh, to Sean mm. that please, we are begging you to let us know if the rest of Europe calls it Starwing as well. Cause otherwise we'll never know. This is impossible information for us to get over yeah, here I'm in the States. It's so weird. It's one of those weird little like just quirks where they're like, I don't know. It's Star Fox in Japan and Star Fox in North America and Starwing maybe in the UK. And then Star Fox 64 was called the Lilat Wars. Why? What? I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Star Fox pretty much like after the N64 game, I, I have zero experience with it outside of when you and I played through Star Fox Zero. Okay. Um, I, I played through a little bit of um, Star... And I say a little bit, but I think I probably put maybe like 10, 11, 12 hours into um, Star Fox Command on the DS, which was like um, half uh, overhead strategy game. And like the actual fights, the actual encounters were like uh, open area dog fights. Uh, and they were all really repetitive and boring and bad. So Command is the one where they brought back uh dylan cuthbert's company so dylan cuthbert was um a mm -hmm. i think i believe he's british developer who like helped develop the fx chip and then he currently lives i believe currently lives in japan has a uh game development company called q games and i'm pretty i'm pretty sure command is the one that they brought q games in to develop and it was really hyped my memory and like the, uh, on IGN and like Nintendo Power was that it was mm -hmm. like hyped as a return to form for Star Fox, which is what people always ask for. But like F Zero, yeah. I don't think we even know what that means anymore. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because like every, like uh, I don't really want to be. I don't want to have to think strategically. Like any decision I make in a Star Fox game needs to be. I need to have the stimulus the solution and the reaction to it all within the same second. Like I can't possibly plan ahead in a Star Fox game. <laughs> if you're making me plan ahead, your Star Fox game is not doing what it should be doing as far as I'm concerned. And I, I haven't played either Star Fox Adventures, which was the GameCube game that was developed by Rare. Um, kind of like infamous now at this point, um, introducing like Crystal to the Star Fox franchise. Mm -hmm. And then well, uh, and I always forget about Star Fox Assault, which is also yes. on GameCube, which was by like Namco, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, and that that's got that is also one that is hailed as like a return to form. <laughs> Again, uh, every Star Fox game, with the exception of Adventure, uh, is hailed as a as a return to form. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I, I I never played Ad- Adventure either. Is a game that I've always wanted to like get into, um, but just never have for whatever reason. It doesn't have a good reputation, I guess. Um, but I wonder how like... much of that is like people because it wasn't like a mm-hmm. Star Fox game, right? It famously started out as a game un- unrelated called Dinosaur Island, and then yeah. it was decided to make it a Star Fox game. So it plays more like a 3D Legend of Zelda game from the era than it does like Star Fox. So I don't, I having not played it, don't know if the reputation is like earned or if it's just sure. scorned for what it isn't. I mean, I think I think for the most part we can kind of lump it in the uh, like spinoff category, like Star Fox Adventure uh, and Star Fox Guard are two very much like that games that are using the IP but aren't really uh, Star Fox games as we know them. So what what do you think a uh, like if if you had the ability to it, determine what a Star Fox game is and what a return to form for a new Star Fox game, uh, like what what would you want that to be? Yeah, here I honestly I think this is crazy for me to say. A week ago, I never would have guessed that this would be my answer, but I think I want a Sonic Mania esque like retro style Star Fox because I truly yeah. now I truly believe that like Star Fox as a modern franchise is kind of a dead end, but. Mm-hmm. Like, it is best served in that really low fidelity, like, SNES. And maybe you clean it up so, like, you're a little more clear what the uh, what's going on. But at the same time, like, you were saying, like, some of the charm is that you're like, what is this pillar that just shows up supposed to be? Or, like, these weird, like, enormous robots that are carrying said pillar? Or what, yeah. like, is this, like, spinning boss spider thing? What is going on? Like, the what is going on is actually charming in this game. Yes. I mean, I, I do wish that uh, if an, uh, when they put out the next one of these, because they will, every, like, every eight years or so, <laughs> Nintendo's like, oh, yeah, we need to put one of those out. Um, but, like, I don't know that I necessarily need to be, to be down to, like, this level of fidelity. Um, but I, I think that uh, sticking with these super simplistic like ship designs, um, but also the more simplistic environment designs, there's something that is totally charming about them using a static um, like pixel art background for the space levels, like for Sector X, for Sector Y, for Sector Z, and the asteroid belt. Um, and if they like, they could do the modern equivalent of that, which would just be like a matte painting, you know, um, if they were to like embrace that level of weirdness and, uh, like you could still do things that are, uh, graphically spectacular that aren't shooting for realism or for like cartooniness. Um, like the, I just can't get over the like weird wireframes and like the polygons that shouldn't be. Um, it's just so compelling i want them to use technology in a way to show me something graphically interesting i also think that you know they've been possibly uh, you know like scared off from doing spin-offs uh with adventures and then star fox guard which really was like not even really treated as a game it was like one of those yeah. <laughs> prince and the popper you know mickey mouse shorts that'd be in front of a movie you really wanted to see um mm-hmm. but I feel like, you know, like the world of Star Foxes and the characters are 
like really appealing that I know that it's a it turned out to be a bad rumor but like the idea of like Star Fox Grand Prix like a racing game or something yeah. in the world of Star Fox makes complete sense to me because I think every I think for the most part people like the characters a lot um yeah and so I don't and so I think like being in that world but not trying to uh like not trying to recapture the gameplay is pa- possibly a path forward as well. I'm saying all of this and it's actually making me think Star Fox Zero, didn't it have some sort of VR component to it? I guess that couldn't so, be. I mean, it's, it's, it's not VR, but it is um, the way you control the game is like convoluted and hard. Um, so you are playing on the screen and on the game pad. And I think it's, uh, you're doing like gyroscopic aiming with the gamepad, which displays like the gunner display. Um, so like it does like give you that little bit of like, here's the perspective and you have to like hold it up to your face almost in order to like get a real sense of like, where you're shooting in the room. Um, and then like the action plays out on the TV from like a third person perspective outside of the ship. So like it can feel vaguely VR-y, um, but yeah, it, it didn't have any like straight up VR integration. Uh, one, what, one other, like just crazy pitch, uh, that I have, uh, for, well, I've, I have two more, but one, one is like too, too much in my heart, uh, that I don't know if I want to share it. Uh, but, uh, the, uh, I think something that would be super rad for a Star Fox game would be, uh, if they, if it had like crazy branching paths that, um, you know, would still uh, start on Corneria, end on Venom, or whatever, you know, they can be new planets, whatever. Same start point, same end point. Um, but how you get there, the levels in between them are either, like, randomized, or um, how you access them is so, like, minute that, like, tiny decisions in, like, what order you take out uh, enemies lead you down a different path. Um, and then all of the le- levels would just be, like, tight five or six minute experiences where... Um, the music is at one piece of music from the beginning of the level to the end of the level, which it can be because you're going at a, a, a fixed pace um, and is just like a fireworks display roller coaster uh, where you're interactively shooting like that. And I just want all of that. And as soon as like you play a level, you can put that on like a playlist and be like, great. Now when I want to go and play like my three favorite levels, I can just boot up that playlist, put it on at a party, whatever, like, I just want it to be a cool, fun, drop-in kind of experience. And I, I won't push you to share the uh, the other one if you don't want to. But really, because like, what I feel like, the more that we've talked about it, and just like as I was playing this SNES version and thinking about why Star Fox interested me in the first mm-hmm. place, you know, I, I don't know that anybody really knows what a good modern Star Fox game looks like. But I think mm-hmm. that, like, everybody just wants to see the characters done right by. And that might just mean not using them anymore. Like, Nintendo isn't afraid to do that. And I think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, even if uh, they're not going to use the characters for, like, a Star Fox game anymore, we will continue to see them in Smash. And, you know, like, not nothing in the Nintendo canon ever, like, 
really dies except for the virtual boy and Nestor's funky bowling. <laughs> like everything sticks around and I guess Star Tropics, but <laughs> everything sticks around in one form or another. Does Star Tropics even have like a mention in Smash Brothers? I don't know. Probably not, right? Like where it's not uh what would it even be? Yeah, I don't know if it's shown up as like a spirit or something, you know, like uh if they've used it on the spirit board or anything where they're just like bait like almost yeah. just like taking art from the internet and being like, yeah, that's a spirit. I don't even know the Star <laughs> Tropics has gotten uh that treatment yet. At least at least the virtual boy will occasionally show up in that's um true. like random places. Yeah, it'll it'll show up in WarioWare and uh certainly in Smash Brothers, but yeah, oof. <laughs> So, sorry, Star Tropics. <laughs> um, okay, uh, a- any final thoughts about Star Tropics, either this game in particular or the <laughs> Do franchise you mean Star as Fox? a whole? Yeah. Hey, you said Star Tropics. Oh, I did? <laughs> <laughs> I meant Star Fox. Let's talk about Star Tropics. <laughs> I, I, was, I was really pleasantly surprised um, how genuinely enjoyable I found this game. Um, do you, I, this is a question I had not thought about until this very moment. Uh, do you think you will jump into Star Fox 2, which is also on, on your Switch and on my uh, Super NES Classic Edition? I, you know, I don't know. Because when I tried to play Star Fox 2 previously, I also had a super negative opinion of it. So my gut reaction is like, no. But at the same time, that's what I used to think about Star Fox. So maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, maybe for me too. All right, Mark, let's close out this discussion. Of course, we would love to hear uh, what everyone else uh, thought of uh, Star Fox as they are playing it now. Or uh, if we got anything wrong um, and we our opinions are bad, you can always email us and let us know at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Um, because we love having this conversation with you. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate and review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you share stuff. Um, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at NinCart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apebetty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying good luck and thanks for listening. is Will Himes, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.